Hi, this is Juwad Asher of Avertra, the gaming metaverse platform, which changes the dynamic of engaging with digital experiences. I'm here on the edge of NFT, the platform which tells you about all the dynamic projects in Web3. Keep listening. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and learn why 2023 could turn out to be a year of shakeouts and building. And how today's guest's most prized possession is a simple garment that means everything to him. And how Ray's fintech is bringing fundraising into the next century with crowdfunding-style crypto integrations that are carefully crafted to be on the up and up with the latest regulations. Finally, NFTLA 2022 was a blast, but it was also a blast off in a giant plume of bright burning rocket fuel, Web3 NFTs, blockchain, decentralization, and a suite of immersive new tech developments have just exploded onto the canvas of life. Outer Edge is the theme of this year's event, dedicated to those of you building with us at the Outer Edges, making the future happen. The community-centric gathering returns to Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023, to uplift creators and technologists through interactive experiences, a wide variety of discussions and presentations, and entertaining surprises that transport participants to the outer edge of what's possible when we co-create a new paradigm, embracing the decentralized web, AI, extended reality, and more. To register to attend or learn how to co-create an experience on the Outer Edge, head over to outeredge.live. The event is being organized by the Edge of Company and us founders of the Edge of NFT podcast. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode featured Jawad Ashrap of Virtua, a NFT and metaverse ecosystem. He's the CEO and co-founder of Virtua and an entrepreneurial industry leader in blockchain technology and the metaverse. As a pioneer in emerging technology and innovation, he's built a career launching and leading successful businesses. Virtua is a metaverse driven by games and social experiences, a world where you can constantly reinvent yourself, a world where you can create, play, and socialize with like-minded people, a vast virtual space that you can truly call home. In Virtua, you can explore, hang out, and own land and properties where you can showcase your personal NFT collections. Jawad, welcome to Edge of NFT. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Virtua is kind of a, a gamified metaverse, providing immersive social, Web3, gaming, digital collectible, interactive experiences. Tell us how this project came into being and what it entails. Back in 2017, I was very interested in VR and the way that um, new technology was coming out. But what you wouldn't get with VR was any market data. I'd come off um, building some other companies and I'd come off an exit. And to gather market data, basically formed a company. And what the company was doing was just releasing VR games. We did that for about a year and we'd launch them on every platform. So there was a Google one that used the phone. There was a Samsung one. There was an Oculus Rift. And we used that to gather lots of information about how to build decent VR games. And then at the end of 2017, and basically, I went looking for people to join the team to form what was known then as Terra Virtua. We dropped the Terra after the whole Luna thing, which seemed to be quite pragmatic. And I got hold of my co-founder, Gary Bracey. Now, Gary Bracey is one of the luminaries of video gaming. You know, he's a BAFTA awarded member. He was one of the guys in Ocean Software, which was one of the biggest gaming companies back in the 70s. Huge. He's had his hand in Tomb Raider, plenty of plenty of the AAA IPs. And... I basically got hold of him. I live in Dubai and he lives in England. And finally, I managed to pin him down. We met up in a Starbucks outside a car park in Staines in England. We sat down for the first time. And I sat down and bleh, this is what I think Virtua could be. And within a week, we'd incorporate the company. We, we got on so well. It was great chemistry. And we formed it. And then Gary brought a whole bunch of great people to the table, including... Doug Dyer, who was one of the guys who, who formed, he was one of the guys involved in Warner Digital. He was 
one of the people who was behind Rise of Empires from Microsoft and a ton of worked Harry Potter, a whole bunch of stuff. We brought in some really great games people who'd built like the beginnings of the MMO and worked with mobile. And that was right, trying to get the right people in place who had access as well as talent. We did that and we got in some other people like David Atkinson, one of the founders of Holochain. And we got in people who could actually allow us to walk into large brands. There was a massive thing two years ago where the world and the dog was trying to get into IPs, but we actually were there first. We got into Paramount and we got Top Gun, Godfather. We went into Legendary Pictures and we got the Kong franchise. And literally, we were having every meeting we were doing for the first year was all about trying to make people understand what NFTs were. When we formed the group, the first thing we then was did was take our VR knowledge and we created a full VR metaverse prototype with a bunch of games in it. And that was back in 2018. So you could wear a VR headset, you could walk around, you could play five different games, and you could also have VR experiences. But And really, that's where Virtual First came from. After we did the VR experience and set up that prototype metaverse, we realized that no one understood what NFTs were, what not what blockchain was, what VR was, or the metaverse. So what we thought, okay, let's double down on an NFT platform first, but with a USP, and we were the first in the world to allow credit card payment from day one and create a wallet seamlessly in the background from day one which now five years later, everyone thinks is a great idea, but we did it back then. And what we did was we built it all up so that we could come into the metaverse layer. So we got all the CGI footage from special effects. Every NFT we're doing, half of them were based on 3D models we could put into the metaverse layer. So massive monologue, but that's sort of where we came from. That was Yeah, no, it's interesting when you listen to folks in the industry talk about how we have to make Web3 more accessible with credit cards and on-ramps and there are a lot of projects like yours that were thinking this way much, much earlier than people talk about problems where there's already solutions. I mean, one of also does things with credit cards and tax. And there's a number of projects that have been successful at, at doing this. Magic Link is another tool. And I think that's why we're really excited about our upcoming event. We'll drop some out later on, but, but making this world, the metaverse, as, as we call it, accessible to all is fundamentally important, but it's not something that we haven't been thinking about for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. Even when we introduced credit card and wallet creation, we actually got spanked by a lot of users for not being very gung-ho on wallets because we were thinking, well, this is the crypto audience. This is the mainstream audience. And we were getting a lot of flack for not doing that. So we incorporated every wallet and everything else. And now, five years later, everyone's gone the other way. Yeah, for sure. What I wanted to share with you, we're tied in with Mochaverse, where we get about 10,000 listeners per episode, plus we have a 25,000 newsletter. We're like a year-round media outlet. When I think of how we can collaborate, I think year-round, like we're going to be planning a gaming slash metaverse event separately, maybe in summer or fall, depending on the market. With Orange Comet and some other top projects in the space, we have skin in the game around the NFT infrastructure. It's a very Web3 partnership. It's unfortunate we're just starting to get to know each other now, eight weeks before Outer Edge LA, but I'm really open to absolutely any way of collaborating in a way that you collaborate with other marketing community partners and whatever sort of fits seamlessly. I don't know how you were pitched NFTLA, but fundamentally for me, it's how can we add value to this event together and create a bigger pie together? Yeah, no, for sure. One of the things that we're trying to do a lot of, and we do that with Cardano Island, is like create like simultaneous events. You have something which happens there, then you've got a metaverse event, which is like a dovetail into what you've got and give spaces to people as well. Yeah, we don't have a metaverse partner yet. We've talked to everyone, even Maddie from Omas DCL Blogger. He's a big metaverse guy. He's an investor and he wants to create experience. The hardest thing for that has been we need someone to figure it all out. And just we say yes, because we just don't have the internal bandwidth to think about it. You know what? We've done a lot of that because we worked with a ton of brands. Like we've got almost like different mix decks, which explain different possibilities that we can work together. So, Joa, that's really fascinating. And it's exciting to finally have you on the show, given how on the forefront of things you guys have been. And if we really look at what's happened over the last half of decade, since you guys got rolling, Web3, the metaverse, the NFT industries have really all 
converged and and I'm curious what your thoughts are on where we are in terms of the state of the metaverse and what we have to do next to enhance mass adoption. That's one of those things. It's been a journey over the last five years. You know, they say in crypto, time changes. Well, I do feel like I've been at this for 20 years. <laughs> it's been a long time. The thing, interesting thing is where we are today has almost gone full circle to where we started. You know, they say timing is everything. When we launched, we launched a metaverse in VR with games and VR experiences, and pretty much everything that we did was too early. We've seen from when we started, we did that, then we streamed it, then we took it down to the NFT platform. The main thing there is that when we did the platform, we still had our eye on the metaverse ball. What we did was that we actually made NFTs, which were high-resolution, high-fidelity 3D models, directly from the CGI footage of movies. We had the special effects visuals from Lost in Space, from the actual series itself, and from Godzilla vs. Kong. We had the cliff notes and the movie scripts before the movies came out. And so we created 3D assets, which would work in augmented reality, which we had on Android for three years. And we launched that years ago. But why did we do that? It's because we knew when the metaverse does come, which now we're starting to see, those assets would immediately work in the metaverse. That comes back down to what you're saying about mass adoption. Because ultimately, in crypto, we tend to speak a lot about the tech and the chain and everything which is underneath it. But you know what? The mass market consumer doesn't care. They just want it to work. When you're on the iPhone and you're doing an in-app purchase, you don't care about the underlying stack or the hosting or wherever it's working. You want the utility. This has been quite interesting. I've been in technology for a long time, and this is the only cycle of tech where everyone who is into the tech contemplates their own navel, really talks about the stuff that they're, the technology. Whereas if you truly want mass adoption, right now crypto is a frack. The entire crypto community if you look at it, if you engage all of the crypto community, any metaverse worth its salt still won't have daily enough daily active users to be of use to anyone. Roblox and Fortnite absolutely eclipse anything on the market. 10,000 DAUs on some of the top metaverse projects isn't going to cut it. You have to go deeply into the mass market and you've got to adopt them. And that was your second point. And that has always been something that we've really been focused on. And that's why we've made partnerships with likes of Shelby and Jesse Lingard and a few of the brands, quite a bunch of brands. But we're really focused on how you can bring in the mass market. And so Shelby would be a good example. If you look at the way that we're dealing with Invertra, let's say that you've got a Shelby game. You've got a Shelby. What you do is that you have different acquisition channels. So let's say it's mobile. We want the mass market user. I think mobile is a main channel to bring the mass market in. If you've got Shelby NFTs, you launch a Shelby mobile game, which is part of a games network. You get the mobile gamers engaged with that. Then you do a drop of NFTs where they don't, they don't even necessarily need to think of as NFT. You think of it as DLCs. Then from there, you move over to give them a free Metaverse crib and do a freemium upgrade model for Metaverse. That's how I think you're going to go ahead and acquire users. I don't think buy land, it's all about the land of the landowners. It's going to work. It's got to be about coming into the metaverse, having lots of gaming experiences, having lots of interesting things to do. It's about acquisition and then retention. And really, right now, most metaverses, there's nothing to do. We are really pushing hard to try to integrate new games into our ecosystem. We have over 180 people in the house. We're building games. We're a game studio. And we're also going to be doing tons of hackathons everywhere to get people to build games as well. Yeah, that intersection point between gaming and the metaverse is what I'm hearing from you is so critical. And the two really go hand in hand like peanut butter and jelly. Right now, there's 3.4 billion gamers in the world. And that's more than Hollywood and music combined. If you want to start in a metaverse, focus on those. Don't focus on celebrities and stars and movies, music, focus on gaming. And look at how you can bring in the Web 2 games into the metaverse and bring the Web 3 games into the metaverse because ultimately Web 3 games have got no audience and or they're not very good generally. Or And Web 2 games, they don't understand it. They've heard metaverse, they're frying up with the fried of NFTs. You need to gently guide them in. So that means if you've got Web 2 game, integrate them into the metaverse and do it in a way that it's a persistent online virtual world and DLCs as opposed to we want to go ahead and make NFTs and metaverse because it frightens them. And frankly, it makes no sense for them to do that. They don't want to disrupt their business model. 
But let's just say, let's take a simple game on mobile. If you've got a mobile game, which is a Web2 game with a massive audience, they've reached the pinnacle of their monetization. It's all ads and in-app purchases. But if they bring that game into the metaverse, along with their community, let's say you've got a mobile game like Subway Surfers, for example, they could have surfer shacks. They could have skateboards. You now have social elements. They can do NFTs and crafting, which is a whole layer of monetization on top of that. When you say acquisition, that's how you acquire. You bring gaming communities, mobile communities all in. If you can get a fraction of the users that we've done in the past, you can do really well. Before Virtual, one of my companies was a kids gaming mobile company. We acquired 24 million users in nine months. That I'm sure that if we follow this model linked to our metaverse, we can get the acquisition that should hopefully blow everyone else out of the water. That's impressive. Yeah. And one thing that I come back to over and over again when people talk about the metaverse or getting into the metaverse is a lot of what people are working on is replicating real experiences. Oh, okay. We want to have a lecture. Let's put you in a virtual lecture hall. And I always go, why don't we, a Zoom call's better. I can be closer to your face. I mean, what do we need to make? We want to do the things that you can't do in reality in the metaverse. And I think that what you're getting at here is that gaming is a lot of that stuff that people enjoy about these virtual worlds that you can't do in the real world. I can't go out, to, to give an extreme example, I can't go out with like guns and shoot zombies in the real world. <laughs> so I'm going to go into a metaverse to do that. And these games have in effect built ver- like small versions of what we think of as a metaverse. They built these lands, these virtual lands. And so all you're going to do is sort of port them into your system and make it a part of the bigger the bigger collection of what's available. That's interesting. I mentioned the word collect sort of surreptitiously there. Tell us about virtual collect. Can you tell us about what's going on with that? When we launched TVK, um, our token, we were very lucky to be listed on Binance within a couple of months. So we were one of the few total metaverse tokens that is sitting on Binance. Now, one of the things we were very, very careful of right from the beginning was regulation because we're based in the UK and token was launched in another country. But effectively, from day one, we've collected tax, VAT. You know, from day one, we've been very careful in terms of how we use a token with an eye on this regulation will come into the future and what we should do and what we shouldn't do with that in mind. Because a lot of projects are very close to the wind, which means that in four or five years, you may end up paying the price. So there's certain things that we didn't do from the beginning, which was allow TVK to be used to buy stuff on our platform. So it's more like a membership club, a loyalty club that allows you to go ahead and do things. And you stake your TBK and you end up getting a whole bunch of benefits. But also, moving forwards, we're going to have an in-game metaverse currency and TBK will be able to be used to buy the internal currency, which will allow microtransactions. Because whenever you go ahead and try to do anything on-chain for those sort of things, you get mullered by fees. You're going to be able to use Ethereum, Bitcoin, etc. to buy their internal metaverse currency but if you use TBK, you will be able to get it at a discounted rate. So there'll be much more value from using TBK. Plus, like the MonsterVerse, it's the MonsterVerse. The Monster Zone is one place that we've launched recently. And that was, first of all, on the land sale, you could purchase with TBK, then it opened up to other currencies. Basically, what we haven't done from the beginning is do what is like, here, stake your token, get free tokens until the project eventually runs out of tokens. It makes no sense. It's always been about, here, stake your TBK and you're going to get value. You'll get these features and you'll get these things. And to be fair, I would say that some of our implementation hasn't been fantastic, but this year we're going to be really up-ramping it to tons and tons of metaverse benefits by having TVK, including voting rights for certain things, naming stuff, deciding the future of certain areas that you've got, having access to certain drops. There's a whole bunch of stuff that will get utility from the token. And can you clarify for the listener, because I don't think it got clear, just make a distinction or join the concepts of TBK is the token, and then collect with a K. You can't tell that when I said it, K-O-L-E-C-T. What does that represent? Collect the name of the token, or just for the listener's sake, so they know what we're talking about? It's the virtual collect token. So we treated our token as a collect for collectibles. Because that's the DM, everything in NFTs. So TVK is a token. We're on a ton of exchange from Kraken to Binance to you name it, the whole bunch of them. But it's all used to be the Terra Virtual Collect. Now it's a The Virtual Collect because we did a big branding exercise after we get people um, contacting us of La Luna and telling us we destroyed their lives. No, it's not us, it's them. Oh, we just rebranded. 
Nice. Look, you mentioned some partnerships. You've got one in development with Monster Zone and Jay Ling's. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that's going to work? The way that we're doing it is that on our main metaverse, the virtual island, we're basically having virtual city. And virtual city is having different districts. What we did, we worked with certain people who we thought we could do really interesting things with in terms of NFTs with real utilities. Jesse Lingard, for example, Jay Lings. This guy's a young footballer. He's played in some amazing clubs, but he's all, he's got an esports brand and he's very forward thinking. And he's going to be tethering the first part of this, like a Lingard district in Virtua. And that's is going to not only have drops and interesting things, but like football games that are going to be launched. And when we talk about the Monster Zone, we're going to have that's more of a sword and fantasy sort of experience, which will be in an area that we've already launched, which is going to have like a whole bunch of playable features in it. We've got one area which is more playable, more fun, more gamey. Then you've got the main city and the city is having districts. So the, like, there's going to be a Shelby district as well in Virtua, in the main virtual cities. What we're trying to do is bring different types of product and IPs along with interesting games. When we had each discussion with an IP holder, there's a, like a program. It's like, all right, so if we're going to do Shelby. We'll have a Shelby racing game. We'll have Shelby drops. There'll be a garages in the metaverse that people use. There'll be like a Shelby tower. And there's going to be like a freemium upgrade model. So we worked out programs with our IPs when we did that. And that's why basically we see Jesse underpinning our sports zone. We got partnerships with Yorkshire Cricket Club. So there'll be different types of sports as well. So that's what we're trying to do. We're bringing them in. They'll all be in one space, but this comes right back down to what we spoke at the beginning, gaming and utility. When you come to the metaverse, there should be interesting stuff to do. You've got to cater for different tastes, but every time you cater to them, you're also bringing in big fan communities. And that's what we want to do. The mainstream fan communities, bring them in. That makes a lot of sense. That's how we think about, of course, like our podcast listener growth, right? It's a similar way. We're going to bring in a different audience based on on a topic, right? I guess we'll bring you in, your audience comes in, they become part of our audience, vice versa. It's a natural model that makes a lot of sense, but maybe not everybody gets it. <laughs> so, but since you've been in the space for so long, what are your predictions here for 2023? NFT market, digital real estate, digital identity, gamification, all this stuff. What do you expect to see? What are you planning for, right? As a business? In the state of the current market, what we're actually doing is just knuckling down and building. Because right now, what you're seeing is that everyone is either on the conference circuit talking themselves up or not and just knuckling down and building stuff. You're not actually releasing much in this market because everyone's frozen. A lot of funds are announcing a lot of investments, but a lot of them are backdated investments. Everyone is very, very, very hesitant. So this year, I think you're going to see a lot of people really building cool stuff. As the market picks up, They'll announce it or they'll show it or they'll bring it in. Some companies will be going towards a mass market audience, but you've really got to know the timing of things. And right now, you can have a fantastic product launch. I personally believe it won't go anywhere because right now, between the layoffs and between tech layoffs and FTX and all of the domino effect that we still haven't seen, you know, there's so many projects that were hit by FTX that are still limping along and even they're going to hit the wall because they've tried their best, but and the best people try the hardest. So I think this is going to be a very muted year. And I think if we see anything, it will be like towards the third quarter. And I do think things will get worse before they get better. But right now, you know, all founders and all companies need to watch their burn rate and just try to build and acquire users and growth hack and gorilla hack and you know, a mainstream how many people announced licensing partnerships that have just stopped happening? I remember in the height of NFTs, we were trying to negotiate with football clubs and they wanted like, what? I remember we went for the main cricket league and they wanted $60 million for their IP. How in God's green earth are you going to make $60 million on NFTs? I mean, it's, it was bananas. I think this year you're going to see more people building metaverse. I think there will end up being a metaverse fatigue. And I do think what will happen is that later on during the year, people will start understanding, hang on a minute, this metaverse looks pretty, but it doesn't have utility. And also, where are the users? I think there's going to be another little bit of a shakedown coming on because a lot of people are bringing out effectively unreal demos that look phenomenal, but there's so much underlying plumbing that you need to make these things work. There's a reason that AAA games cost $100 million and it takes five years, six years 
But yeah, in crypto, we expect to knock out our metaverse in six months. And if we don't do it in three months, the community starts complaining. All right. Shakeouts and building. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... Got. Jawad, you are keeping it real, my friend. Like, I couldn't agree with anything that you said more. And, you know, it's funny. I remember we had Every Realm on the show. It's been a while. And she was talking about that tricky association between physical real estate and digital real estate and how different they are. But in a lot of ways, you could take out the word metaverse and apply a lot of what you said to the real estate market right now. You're having commercial properties have to rezone to rent to tenants. You're planning out your spots for next year. It's going to be a really murky time for the real estate market right now. So I just found that interesting because as much as we try to disassociate from physical real estate and virtual real estate. In some conversations, there's a lot of parallels there in terms of how this year is going to play out. I think we'll see a lot of convert. A lot of the stuff that we were doing in crypto is actually going to, I think, really align to what's come before. Because right now, most of the market is, if we really want to grow the market, it's going to, it's a Roblox players that we want, right? So they're the people that should be in the metaverse. And so, yeah, I do think we're going to see a lot of interesting things. I think Upland's approach to metaverse and digital real estate is very interesting as well. So the, we met the CEO recently. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very, very interesting year this year, I think. For sure. You've talked a lot about the underpinning of Virtua and sort of what's going on now. Fast forward, what's on the roadmap for the next several years and what's your vision and how this all plays out for you all? Basically, I see three streams to the way the business is going to go in terms of acquisition. One is mobile acquisition, which is absolutely critical. And that's where we will bring in the millions of users because we've done it before. And even if we convert 4% of it, I think that will bring us with the sort of users that we need. The second is the crypto channel. So there you lead with everything's metaverse, draw NFT based. And we're going to have different streams of acquisition. That's the second one. And the third one, which is going to be the most fun one for us, I think, is all about the games integration and about bringing multiple games into Virtua. So this year, what you're going to see, you're going to see the APIs coming out and integration with games publishers. That's one thing. And before the end of the year, I want to see from within our studio, 50 mobile games, which will be out in the market as well. So that's what you're going to get this year. And then what you're going to see over time moving forwards is a lot more creator economy driven stuff. So for example, just imagine that somebody publishes a game and I can see you having the game going to an NFT project and then they being able to remix the game and release a version of their own. I can see interesting stuff happen. Yes, game integration, Web2 integration, but I see game remixes done for DGen projects and DGen projects taking elements of what we have and plugging them into other games, which will actually increase the market. So we really want to push that. If there's a, a mainstream game that comes in and they integrate, and one of their collabs is with a big DGen project coming in. Now, all of a sudden, it's a win-win for everybody. That's the way that we want to do it. Gung-ho on the game integration, add tons more features. We've launched our cribs, which are like the virtual villas, which are completely running in WebGL, nothing to install, high fidelity already. We already launched our mobile application. We already have had VR for over two years, but we've never launched it because we don't think the market's right for it yet. And we've got all our desktop stuff happening as well. That's cool. On the crib side, like I feel like I could use a little bit more sleep. There should be an edge of NFT crib, Ethan, for us to hang out, party, and maybe get some Zs while we're at it. What do you think, man? I'm looking for some special effects and some type of, well, I'm sleeping in there, but yeah. <laughs> some good. strobe lights and there's really cool. What's that thing that you do? Did you do something over at the hacker? What do you call it? The body hacking thing? That... Yeah, there's some binaural beats that we should play. It's different. You can have your focus beats. You can have your REM beats. So that could be fun. Perfect. Yeah, and just so I clarify, what is that place that you go to? I forget what it's called. It's the Bulletproof Coffee Guy. What is it called? The hat? Yeah, Upgrade Labs. Upgrade Labs, like his, that's right. Yeah. His biohacking spot that I hit up on the regular to handle the intensity of planning this event. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes those places, I don't know if he has it, but they have these like immersive things where it's light and sound and it's very rejuvenative. That's what I was thinking. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's virtual float tank. Virtual float Joa, tank. Joa, when you're in LA, I'll take you over there. Yeah. Well, I think I'll definitely want to pop down to see you guys when I'm there next. <laughs> Perfect. Shall we, so just a little last before we get to our quick headers and very briefly, what are some other things that you're looking at in the Web3 space that you're inspired by outside of your projects? 
One of the guys I think have been doing a really right Ghana games. The way they've brought different games developers into the mix, the way they're expanding other assets, the way they're running the nodes, I really do love what they're doing. And I think they're the model which is the closest to a mainstream model where they're really thinking about driving in users and bringing in interested people from even outside crypto. I really like what they're doing. I think they've really gone from here to here very quickly just by making the right calls. There's a project, I think, that one of the best ones out there. Cool. Yeah, that sounds as appropriate. Yeah, we've definitely did some stuff with them and highly recommend to take a look. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or if you receive that chain letter, how did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. That takes care of our regular interview segment. Next segment up on the block here is our quick hitters, which will be really fun. I'm sure you have a lot to share. Edge quick hitters are a fun, quick way to get to know you a bit better. There are 10 questions and we're looking for just a short, single or few word response, but you can feel free to expand if you get the urge. Are you ready? All right. Awesome. First couple of questions here. Number one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Teen Titans, number one, as a comic. All right. Nice. That sounds appropriate kind of stuff you're into. All right. Next question. What's the first thing you ever remember selling in your life? I used to sell the same comic books back at school in the playground. It was all about the comic. Yeah, that was another comic again. I had a little stack at the moment. I read them, I'd sell them. Perfect. So I could buy more. We've seen a lot of that on here. It's definitely not every guest, but I would say probably a good 10 to 15, maybe even 25% are doing some sort of like exchanging of collectible cards or comic books and they're buying them and they're selling them as a kid. So it's a common theme here. Question number three, what's the most recent thing that you've purchased? Um, I bought uh, Azus Folds, you know, one of those fold, folded laptops. It becomes a 17 screen. Yes, I bought that a few weeks ago. I love the toys, and that's something I'm really enjoying playing with. Ah, very cool. Yeah, that sounds really fun. It's one of those things where the screen itself is like bendable almost. Yeah. Like this, and it folds up, and then you can open it as a mini laptop, and then it unfolds as a 17 inch screen. It's pretty cool. So it's really portable, a lot of, lot of spec to it. So, yeah. Nice. All right. On the flip side of that, what is the most recent thing that you've sold? I think I sold an Oppo mobile phone about six months ago. It was a foldable Oppo I imported from China and I sold it. So yeah. Okay. That's cool. Just like on the, online or something on a marketplace. Yeah. Because I'm in Dubai, you've got this thing called Dubizzle. Okay. And you can just put it up. Oh yeah. We sold it on that. Very cool. That's a thrifty thing to do. Good for the environment too. Don't just throw them away. All right. What is your most prized possession? My dad passed away a couple of years ago and it's a jumper that he used to wear all the time. And after we passed away, I've got the jumper, and that's probably my prized possession because it still smells of him. So. <laughs> ah, that's great. And jumper for vocabulary purposes, it's like a sweater kind of. It's a sweater he used to wear. Oh, that's very sweet. Do you wear it as well? Like, is it, or is it just kind of like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like everyone in the family sort of got, got his sweaters, and everyone wears them from time to time. It's just one of the things we do. That's great. Yeah, I have a good friend who passed away a couple of years ago, and I visited his wife several months ago and she said she had a scarf of his and that was something that she wanted to give to me and it is it's kind of nice to just put it on and think about him for sure all right after that if you could buy anything in the world digital physical service or experience that is currently for sale what would it be Probably the red carpet to quantumania because you can buy those tickets from time to time they do come up and if i had it i would love to go to the red carpet of that for i bet some of the cars before and i've done my fair share of red carpets and there's nothing more fun than doing that. Say the name of the event again, because it, it cut out for me for a second. The movie Quantumania. Quantumania, okay. 
new Ant-Man movie, I'd love to buy the red carpet tickets to that. You can get them done. Cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. All right, next question. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? I think generosity, I always like to do a lot. And I'd like to pass it on because I think there's not enough of it. That's great. There's been days lately where I wake up and I say, you know what, I'm going to just sort of do a little bit of extra to kind of, yeah, sometimes you don't feel like it, right? You're kind of grumpy. I'm just going to do some more for somebody else today. See how that all pans out. And it's usually works out pretty well. Give an echo chamber, give it out, you'll get it back. Yeah, just another thing on that. Recently, it was before the holidays here in the U.S., before Christmas, but just before it, we were out to eat for breakfast. And this guy came over to our table and he said, oh, you're such a beautiful family. I just, I'm going to buy you breakfast. I bought you breakfast, right? And I just thought that was wonderful. And then we ended up buying breakfast for a couple of other people at the restaurant. Yeah, that's a fun way to do it for sure. It makes you feel great. It's just nice to do stuff And you know what? One thing about coming to places like Pakistan, we've got offshore centers as well, is you sort of see how hard it is for a lot of people here. We have got like the homeless in the West, but when you see as well as some of the way that people live here, you sort of makes you just realize that we're very, very lucky with what we've got. Indeed. All right. On the flip side of this, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would you pick? My impatience, because being a CEO sometimes... Actually, all the time, everything's too slow. And especially if I haven't eaten, that gets magnified, my impatience does. So yeah, I would definitely like, you know, I'm way better than I used to be, but there are times when I'm doing a diet or something like that, everyone's trying to give me food. Yes. You mean they're trying to give you food because they want to get you in a good mood? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> impatience leads to intolerance. And so, yeah, I'd love to yeah. give it a mind. Okay. That makes sense. That's a good one. All right. Next question. Question number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I had a shisha. Mm, Okay. That sounds fun. Flip side of that. And our final question, what are you going to do next after joining us on the podcast? I'm going to watch episode four of The Rig on Amazon. When I'm in Lahore, there's not much to do. So I end up watching Amazon. It's the only time I get to watch anything on TV. All right. That sounds great. And wait and pray the power doesn't go out again. Yes, I was going to say, we have to disclose to the listener, we're going to try to make it seamless for you, but you will never know. You're dealing with a power outage on the way through this podcast episode. You jumped off. We got you to jump back on. We know you're running on backup power and the backup power is running out. So yeah, it's great to still have you here. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, L.A., Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. All right, should we head on over to Hot Topics? Let's do it. All right, awesome. Today, we have a very special Hot Topics guest to kick it off here. His name's Brian Anderson of Raise Fintech Incorporated, and he's the CEO. The company launched in early 2020. 
22. And Brian came up with this bold idea to help companies tokenize equity and revenue, helping them raise capital, but to do it within the regulation of today's laws in the U.S., something he saw everyone else was trying to avoid. Thanks for joining us for the Sponsored Hot Topic. Brian, just tell us off the bat here, what is RAISE in a few words here? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. We're simply a private fundraising platform with a Web3 infrastructure that brings together companies raising capital in a private way with accredited investor communities. Something that I think people in the industry have been trying to do for a long time through all sorts of different ways, including ICOs and security tokens. We're doing it a lot simpler and we're using the great aspects of Web3 today. If you're a startup, an existing business, you can raise money traditionally using our platform through issuing equity, revenue shares, tokens, safe agreements. Our bold vision is over the next five years to be known as the most trusted global brand for raising capital. That's really awesome. And so just to make it clear here, and a lot of people are doing things with NFTs and crypto tokens and so on and so forth. And there's always this topic that comes up, is it a security thing? And a lot of what you're saying, you're doing there saying, well, yes, if you've got a security and it is a security, we're going to help you make it follow all the regulations and make this right along the lines it should be. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. When we started this, it was really important to me. I said, we have to do this within regulation. We have to do this in a compliant way. We can't like be in these fuzzy areas where is it a security, not a security? What's really interesting is I did my own research extensively, hired an incredible attorney, got our legal framework in place. And what was amazing is when I just went out there and read the laws and did my own research. I've said, well, this isn't that difficult. Like Just like any law, you just have to know what the guidelines are. I think people get hung up all the time on what they're trying to accomplish at the macro, but at a very small level, micro level, what does everybody want to do in their startup? They just want to raise money. They want to find investors. They want to do it in a compliant way, most of them. And what's so fun is this new technology we call blockchain and Web3 is kind of an umbrella. It allows us to do so many things that we could not do before. And it makes it faster, cheaper, and better. And I've always believed being in software for now 20 plus years, I've always believed that's really the role of technology is to make things better, faster, cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on our last episode, yeah, Sue said the thing he's most looking forward to is regulation. And I think that now with what you're doing, we're seeing how that a regulatory compliant way of doing things with Web3 can actually add a lot of value to the ecosystem. I'm so glad that our friend Sam or he introduced us and gotten to know what you're cooking, man. And I'd love to like Break down the finer details of how Raise is using Web 2 and Web 3 to support raising capital. Lay it all out for us. Absolutely. Really kind of the main feature sets that we focus on is it really is a bridge between Web 2 and Web 3, which is so important today as the technology gets adoption. So we do things like providing a private pitch page, a landing page for companies raising capital. I want you to think crowdfunding-like, but it's not crowdfunding. It's in the private placement capital raising side of raising private money from VCs and accredited investors. But you get that crowdfunding-like experience, which every raise should have. So you can tell your story better because there's a lot of competition with raising money. And then we have a rapid legal review process that includes kind of signing investor agreements as part of your experience. Our platform actually does KYC and AML on every investor when they're investing in one of the clients that we have listed, along with an accreditation check. So the founders don't even have to worry about that piece. Like It's all handled within the process of actually, I'll call it checking out as an investor. But here's one of the really interesting pieces that we introduced is not only do we allow and facilitate traditional fiat and wire transfers, but we allow the platform to facilitate a crypto transfer or digital currency transfer in a compliant way. Imagine taking your Bitcoin or your Ethereum or whatever it is that you have and exchanging it for, say, an investment of X number of shares in a company or an investment in a safe agreement. We are having people do that today already on the platform with clients along with our own race inside the platform using their cryptocurrencies. And we all know the really big benefits of transferring crypto, right? It's instant settlement, no banks. And it's not that we're trying to work outside of banks. It's that there's just situations where it's easier to use crypto and 
people have a lot of crypto sitting on the sidelines. The last thing I'll say about that point is, is that today or in the past, it was only possible to use your crypto for speculative trades, day trading, DeFi staking, buying NFTs. Tomorrow, and even today with our platform, you could use your crypto to do traditional investments, traditional investing into companies. And so that's a powerful piece. And But the last biggest piece and the big differentiator is that we're actually using NFTs where we think everything's going, which is real utility. So anytime an investor actually completes a transaction, they get a proof of investment NFT dropped in their Web3 wallet. And if they don't have a Web3 wallet, it's okay. We have a solution for that too. They don't necessarily have to bring their own. Those are all the features of Web2, Web3 intersection that we're doing. Outline a little bit more like sort of the difference between traditional investment agreements and exchanging the digital assets for these investments. Is it pretty much the same when it all comes down to it? Or have you covered all the differences? Or is there anything else unique to share? Yeah, well, the big gap I saw was that everyone was trying to make it overly complicated. They were saying, okay, either I have to go raise money with, let's say, a safe agreement or a price round, and I can't have anything to do with Web3 and crypto, or I have to go release a security token, which is really hard, by the way. You're basically acting like you're a public company if you're doing an ICO or a security token offering. You have to worry about liquidity and dumps and all that stuff. But what about the founders that are saying, well, no, 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 we want to raise on traditional investment contracts, like a safe or a price round, but we just want to accept crypto. Or we want to provide an NFT to our investors as a proof of their investment. So everything's on chain and lawyers can go back and verify what is actually happening because it's all transparent. That's where we sit. It's a $1.6 trillion private placement market in the US. That's a pretty big market to play in. And that's where we sit. Very cool. Let's talk about one of your recent partnerships with the UCLA Anderson School of Business Venture Accelerator. What's that look like? Yes, we saw this interesting opportunity to be able to help accelerators like them to actually take our platform and just integrate it in their ecosystem so that startups could raise capital simpler and they could also potentially use Web3. We put together a partnership. One of our advisors, actually Sam, is pretty integrated with UCLA that you had mentioned earlier, and he helped us form this partnership with them. And I couldn't be more excited about that because they already have a huge proven track record. I think they've launched over 400 ventures raised over a couple billion dollars through those companies. And now they've chosen Raise as being one of their partners on the fundraising sides. And we're actually going out there and we're going to be sitting down in front of all of their new companies and giving them the ability to start using Raise to conduct their compliant raises. Very cool. I'm excited, man. And so glad to have you at our event. And wow, it's like two months away, but time flies since we first chatted about getting you guys in the mix. Absolutely. We're honored to be here. Yeah. And congrats for kind of filling this space that a lot of people tread lightly in facing it head on and bringing opportunity to folks to do something special. Yeah. Yeah. This is really hard stuff. And it takes a special type of leader like yourself, a special type of company to go into this type of area. We just had Roofstock, the podcast and what they're doing with real estate. Same thing. This is what gets me so fired up about the future potential of Web3 technologies. And can I say this one last thing, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I do this every day is because I fell in love with this space a few years ago, but I wasn't necessarily embedded in it like you guys were at the time. But I come from a traditional business background. And here's what I figured out, just like in the dot-com days when I was in college in 99, 2000, it took people taking chances and showing people, showing the real world, if you will, how to do things. And it takes all of us showing others how this technology can actually work in the real world versus trying to draw lines and divide people. We really got to show people how this tech can work. And most people are just looking, how does this make my life better? How can this improve my life? And that's really what we set out to do is just give people the ability to do something easier that is really hard, really chaotic, and that's raising money. Great. It's been a pleasure talking with you about all this stuff. And we'd love to chat so much more about it at a later date, but we won't have so much time for the hot topic. So I'll have to sign off on this one. But before we roll out, can you make sure and let people know how they can find out more about you and what you're working on? 
Absolutely. Just go to our website at raise.finance. And then of course, we're on LinkedIn and Twitter as well at Raise Finance. Thanks so much for the time, guys. I appreciate you. It's been a blast. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Well, I guess that's it for Hot Topics. Next segment's a fun one that we've been enjoying as we brought it in. It's a shout out. We understand you might have someone special that you'd like to shout out as part of the episode here. Who would that be? Considering where I am today, I'm in the hall with a crew who are doing a lot of our development. Companies called Big Immersive, they've just had a five-year anniversary. And I'd like to shout out to all the team who work through all sorts of stuff, power cuts, stuff burning out, all sorts of issues, and they're always powering through. So shout out to the whole Big Immersive team. That's beautiful. Sounds very appropriate. All right. Before we cut off, let's make sure we let listeners know where they can go to learn more about you and the projects you're working on. Where would you find on the socials and the websites and stuff? We'll give you all the links, but where all the life is, is in Discord. So if you go to the virtual Discord channel is where you find act very active, vibrant community with a lot of stuff happening. Telegram groups are also a great place to go visit. And the rest is just go to virtual.com and go to the bottom and you can see all the links to anywhere you want to go. Perfect. One place makes it easy. And we decided we're going to go for a giveaway with you guys as well. We'll put more and more details out on our socials as we put out the actual giveaway. But do you want to share about what you'd like to give away? And then I'll tell the listeners maybe a little bit about our plan for how. Yeah, sure. Okay. okay. So like what we have in virtual, we have like our own IP and these, there's a family of robots called the VFlex, which we've been publishing for years. The beautiful rigged 3D models always have got their own personality and we're going to do like a limited run especially for you guys that we're going to do as part of your giveaway i'm going to go and break that to the dev team tomorrow so no one knows about this yet we'll go do that tomorrow but like they should be great they're beautiful assets awesome what we're going to do with those as well is pair them with people who are purchasing tickets for nftla and of course this episode will be coming out after we've announced our themes for this year which is outer edge la It'll be exciting. We'll get to give them away to the people who are excited about our event. So it'll be fun. All right. Well, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks to everyone for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey also much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. 